genre. Doctor's Companion presents Doctor Who The Long Way Around, the weekly podcast where we review and discuss every episode of Doctor Who, one doctor at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And I'm Nick Jimenez. And today on the show, we will be discussing episodes one through three of Marco Polo, the first doctor's fifth story. Uh, oh, what so, a story it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... <laughs> So Marco Polo uh, is written by uh, John Lucarotti, Lucarotti. Uh, which well, yeah, which <laughs> by the way, can we just talk about how much I love that an Italian dude is writing the Marco Polo stuff? Yeah, I, I, I was like, huh, this is nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's about it's about like I just I love I love that they they bothered to get an Italian guy to write the Marco Polo story. But, it, you know, there's a lot of Mongolian Caucasians. In that. Oh, well, I mean, like, yeah. technically, he's not even Italian. I think his, like, dad's Italian because he was born in England. So it's not like John, John Lucarotti. Yeah. Oh, interesting, because he's actually um, uh, he the what I was going to get into is actually he was a writer that Sidney Newman met while working for the K- Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Hmm. Um, before moving to England. So he had actually worked with him before on CBC radio things, including a 15-part serial, uh, radio serial in 1956 about Marco Polo. Uh, And he had taken, he had all of this extra material about uh, the journey to Cathay, which is is, uh, sort of... um, Based around this this uh, this research he did on Marco Polo's journals and things, uh, and he had to take that out of the fifteen part serial about Marco Polo that he, he did. He had to cut and stuff so out just, of a fifteen part serial <laughs> about about all of Marco Polo. Yes, man. Yeah, <laughs> and then he took he took out all this whole journey storyline out of the 15-part serial, and then expanded it into its own seven-part serial and made it a Doctor Who episode. Wow. Um, yeah. So that's, that's, so that's what that's this is. 21 installments of two, of two <laughs> serials about Marco Polo. Yeah. I don't know if I could write that much about... I'm trying to think of what I know the most about... Um, <laughs> Man, yeah, no, just congratulations on the, the research that must have been. Honestly, I could write, I could write a a series as long, as, almost as long as the actual series about the behind the scenes of Doctor Who. That would be uh, fun. Yeah, yeah, like a like a Larry Sanders esque so, take on the writing of Doctor Who, or like, um, yeah, or just you know, an adventure in space and time. The series. Um, yeah, a limited series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, great man. Um, I think that's about. <laughs> I I mean, I guess I probably could about like yeah, uh, the, you know, the crazy stuff that happened at Marvel too, like when it first started out. But uh, the um, console wars, I remember, was something you talked about, like doing a console wars, but like DC. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Something to read that. Um, although I just I want to I want to write a console wars about Doctor Who. That's what I really want to do. <laughs> Um, <laughs> like a tell-all book, yeah, that sounds yeah. very possible. Because oh, yeah. I feel like if 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 I'm if I'm your like if I was like pitching this book to like a publishing company, I'd be like, look, you give this man x amount of money <laughs> and a and a passport, and he will not stop. <laughs> He'll get everyone. I will not stop. He will interview every <laughs> single person and write. Yeah, just. <laughs> Just like Jake Gyllenhaal and Zodiac, just like (laughs) (laughs) 
well, uh, speaking of uh, will not stop. So oh, yeah, yeah. So um, so this that's that's basically all there is to it as far as uh, the writing of this particular story. I mean, he took he took characters, character names, and things actually. Um, and and storylines the the pink cho stuff mm-hmm. is is directly out of um marco polo's journals it comes from a different section of his journals this journey uh culminated around 1275 and this pink cho stuff actually happened in 1292 but he just sort of combined it all to give Susan a friend. Um, did he really <laughs> did marco polo really have a, a a treacherous compatriot named tagana? Yes. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so all of this stuff was actually based on uh, like real stuff. It's really, you know, in a lot of ways, it's it's sort of like the first like kind of legitimate historical episode. You know, and I was gonna say of, it, it 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 does feature some very you know dated and and unfortunate and awkward like casting stuff. But during you know mm-hmm. the cursory amount of research i did on this on this episode it, it it is it's remembered as kind of the first or one of the one of the highlights of a of a doctor who story taking care and paying respect to its history mm-hmm. and i just thought the, the 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 juxtaposition of those two things were really interesting to me Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, technically speaking, the first historical is a hundred thousand BC. But I mean, <laughs> l- the less said about that, the better. Uh, so, uh, and 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 you know, it's like historical in inverted commas. Yeah. Like it's not. <laughs> it's it's as historical um, as like ten thousand BC. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah. So that that's how it was written. Uh, the 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 episode um, or the story was directed uh, by Waris Hussein um, mm-hmm. with with John Crockett directing episode four. But Waris Hussein, of course, uh, he was the director of uh, an unearthly child in a hundred thousand BC. Mm-hmm. So he's the first director ever. He was the um, he was the guy and you know, struggling with their with their crappy soundstage in the movie um, in the uh, Adventures in Space and Time movie. Yeah. Um, and whereas this is actually he was meant to direct half of the episodes in this first season, but uh, he was so frustrated by how cheap this show was that uh, he requested to leave and work on other things and they let him go. Uh, so this is actually the last Doctor Who story he ever worked on. He was invited back to direct The Five Doctors in 1983, but he ended up turning it down due to a bunch of uh, American commitments that he had already made. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would have been really cool if he had been, been able to yeah. direct Five Doctors. Yeah, you really it, – it's interesting. And, and new listeners of the show, uh, it, were the – the movie that we're referencing so much an adventure through space and time is 100% worth watching uh no matter mm-hmm. what level of of Whovian you you consider yourself to be um it's uh-huh. a great gateway drug to the original series i think yeah mhm and i have yet to watch it without crying so oh, there's that so good um it's so good and uh and and if if you're just joining us for the first time uh, on this long way around thing, you have four seasons of long way around back in the feed, and on our very first long way around, we talked about that ep- that that movie. So, oh yeah, we gave it like a proper the, uh, episode. Yeah, along with the uh, the pilot, uh, an unearthly child, the very very first episode, not the uh, the serial, because I'm uh, I I separated the two because. Mm. They don't belong Reasons. together. They just yeah. don't. <laughs> yeah, they just don't belong together at all. Have um, we have so, we brought up that this is a reconstruction yet? Right. So this is a reconstruction, and that was the last bit of behind the scenes details I wanted to get into. Oh, cool. So for those of you who are um, unfamiliar with the reconstruction term and what a reconstruction actually is. Uh, it's basically the audio for every story, every Doctor Who story exists, but um, a lot of the tapes were wiped by the BBC to save space and reuse material. Uh, and their thought process being no one is ever going to want to watch a TV show again 
They already saw it. <laughs> Why would they the ever want to watch something again? Yeah, what? Right, exactly. <laughs> um, so, so they uh, they just wiped the tape. So there's a bunch of, um, I believe, ninety two episodes missing in Doctor Who. Uh, it's a lot of stuff. Um, all during the first and second Doctor era. And uh, Marco Polo is the first – it's the earliest story that's missing. And uh, three years ago? No, five years ago. Five years ago, uh, someone came out of the woodwork and claimed to have found uh, three episodes of Marco Polo in their father's barn. (laughs) Um, They said that uh, they found videotapes that had copies of Marco Polo and they sent it to the BBC – uh, literally nothing has happened since then. Uh, so it's largely assumed that that was false, wow. that it, they weren't, they either weren't actually episodes of Marco Polo or they were in such bad condition because they were found in a barn, right. uh, that, uh, they were, they weren't, it wasn't possible to do anything with them. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so Marco Polo doesn't exist. Instead, what exists are what's called a reconstruction where they take the audio and, uh, back in the day there was, uh, there was this thing that they would do so that, um, they would be able to find problems with their broadcast or just, just to keep track and like make sure there was no issues happening, um, in like sort of like the smaller, um, the smaller uh, networks, like, you know, you have your major network and then you have like little satellite networks that air the same stuff. And a lot of times those places wouldn't have the budget to have somebody working around the clock. So what they would do is they'd set up a thing called the telesnap, which was essentially to track and make sure that nothing was happening uh, incorrectly while no one was manning the post. Um, so what it would do is it would basically – uh, there would be a television that would be playing the, the 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 station and there would be a camera set up to take a picture every 30 seconds. And then they would review those pictures and be and they'd see the picture change and see that nothing seemed to be going wrong. So they'd be like, OK, that's good. And what they've basically done is they've taken telesnaps from when Marco Polo aired originally and uh, have used those those images combined with the audio to sort of reconstruct the story the best uh, it can possibly be done. And some, some uh, you know, usually it's just the images and that's it. Um, the one that we watched from Marco Polo was colorized for some reason. Yes, that's the one I watched. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and then there are also – there are fan reconstructions that do things like they take the telesnaps and they turn uh, – they cut the people out of the backgrounds and they turn them into like basically paper dolls that they kind of like animate sort of yes. so that like when people are walking, the little paper doll guys are like walking and the – it's – Who doggy? It's fine. It is yeah, fine. It's, <laughs> it is. It is. It is fine. And and then other people, uh, they'll do reconstructions where they um, they basically take The Sims and uh, animate it using The Sims, uh, which was another version of this Marco Polo that uh, exists online that you can find. But yeah, so there's, there's lots of reconstructions. Some people do full animated things, um, but that doesn't happen very often because it's uh, time consuming mm-hmm. and I assume – uh expensive and um i would as- also assume that marco polo probably wouldn't be the first choice for a lot of uh animators um <laughs> yes it is a it's it's uh it's talky it is a, it is very talky it is very talky and uh the sets are um surprisingly intricate yeah yes yeah i which which i would which i would think would be difficult uh in animation mm-hmm. so so yeah, Especially Sims uh, so that's, <laughs> yeah, well, Sims animation seems to work out, um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So that's, and for uh, real, for that's, all, that's all, all, all they're, they're easy to, they're easy to goof on good naturedly, but really shout out to, to the, to the YouTubers that created those and uploaded them, uh, for no other yeah. reason than the good of the good of the good of the who. Yeah. The, um, the colorized one we all watched, um, the loose cannon one. Did you guys watch, like, the introduction with the guy who plays Marco Polo? <laughs> yes, writing into his journal. Of no, course. no, no, no. Yes. There's, like, yeah. 
he, there's like a it, like a a tiny interview with him at the very beginning of oh, it. Oh, yeah, no, I think no, I, didn't see I think that. on YouTube it was a different video, but the file that I have it's like all the same thing. Um wow. so the reason that it's colorized is because this set in particular was so beautiful and the costuming was so wonderful that they like took a bunch of set pictures and set like along with the telesnaps. So oh. and those pictures were in color. To like Gosh. show off, like this is what we're doing over here. Give us money. Yeah, that's that's cool. So many of them did look like classic film stills. Yeah. So like, yeah. I think for the telesnaps too. Like, so whoever like was working on this loose cannon reconstruction took the time to like hand colorize the actual like black and white telesnaps for this. And they had Insane. like, I think the little um like prelude and like epilogue thing where you have like old marco polo sitting and writing is from the novelization but i'm not entirely sure it, because it, it, it looks like it looks like ghostwriter it looks like yeah. <laughs> 20 years after the this aired yeah i'm not entirely sure where they got like the little script for it or like who wrote that but like lucarati also did the novelization for all of his stories too so maybe they like added a I don't know. Look but it was made in like it was made in like the eighties, I think, this reconstruction. Mm. And it's It's yeah, and you, you can you can I mean this is a really the costumes and from just from what we get from these photographs, it does look like it was it was very visually impressive. It still mm-hmm. is. Uh the Kublai Khan's castle looks really cool from the photos. Mm-hmm. We can go on. Mm-hmm. Well, let's uh, let's talk about uh, episode one. The Roof of the World. Marco Polo Part 1. Written by John Lucarotti. Directed by Waris Hussein. Produced by Verity Lambert. Script edited by David Whitaker. Air date, February 22nd, 1964. The TARDIS has landed and is broken, unable to provide heat, light, or water. The Doctor, Susan, Ian, and Barbara are unsure of where they have landed, but it is snowy, cold, and at a high altitude. Ian and Barbara attempt to search for fuel to keep warm, but see a shadowy figure and hurry back. While they are gone, the Doctor figures out what's wrong with the TARDIS, but is interrupted by their return. The figure followed them, and the crew move to chase it off, but find themselves surrounded by Mongol warriors. Convinced the TARDIS crew are evil spirits, the Mongols want to kill them, but someone intervenes on their behalf. Their rescuer turns out to be Marco Polo. He introduces the TARDIS crew to some of his fellow travelers, including Tagana, a warlord, and Ping Cho, a young Chinese woman on her way to meet her much older husband-to-be. She and Susan become fast friends. Still suspicious, the Mongols fear the Doctor is a sorcerer who draws his power from the TARDIS, and Marco Polo forbids the Doctor from entering it while they travel across the desert. However, by the time they reach a nearby way station, Marco Polo has decided he will requisition the so-called flying caravan for the use of the Emperor, Kublai Khan. Tagana has a plot of his own, however, to poison the entire caravan's water supply and steal the TARDIS for his master, Nogai, a rival to Kublai Khan. Yeah. It's a cool title. So, <laughs> well, it's a little extra, I think, but it's short. <laughs> it's fine. Like when when uh when when Ian is just like looking out into the distance. So they 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 end up on the Alps, right? Mm-hmm. Um is where they land and and he's just like looking out and he's just like we're we're on the Alps, the roof of the world. Well, <laughs> like, Cuz they don't know where they are right, and like they land in the Himalayas and the Himalayas is technically called the roof of the world because it's the highest mountain range. Oh. Okay. Yeah, because they go across so the not, Gobi Desert. I thought they were in the Alps. No, okay. No. <laughs> they're in the all right. They're in the Himalayas. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, so the roof of the world. Uh and then and then that's when the Mongolian Caucasians show up. <laughs> and uh this will not be th- this will not be the last time that uh they choose not to uh to cast uh Asians in Asian roles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a, this is an ongoing thread, uh, basically forever. Um, yeah. I I don't I don't think there was an Asian in Doctor Who and like a legitimate Asian in Doctor Who until uh, the Doctor in um, not the Doctor but a Doctor <laughs> in uh, in the the World War Three story, the Farting Aliens. Yeah. Well, um, well um, who ended well, up the being act- on the, the actress right? that plays uh, Ping Chu, uh, I believe. 
well, again from the cursory uh, work. It was a, it was a British actress born in Burma. Yeah, her mother is um, Burmese, so she's half uh, Burmese, which is okay. which makes me feel a little better that at least somebody of Asian descent has a speaking role. Um, because yeah, like the other two and... are like not even credited, and they're just like background people. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But we also have like the master's companion in the movie. He's Asian. Oh right, I guess that would be the first one. Good call. Good call. Forgot about him. Um, the Asian child. <laughs> <laughs> My God. Um, yeah, um, it, it, yeah. This the, is a very. This, the, I will uh, say this is a very fun episode to watch after having seen Twice Upon a Time and having a yeah, that. that <laughs> Yeah, that episode had a true. had a good bit of fun with the first doctor's, uh, uh, you know, let's just say aged points of view, and so <laughs> right. and I, it really did the job. Wow, this it really mission of course correcting and being like, oh, I can watch this in context now, and and know right. that he's being a big old big old dumbhead. Right, right, yeah. absolutely. Um, but yeah, I interrupted. <laughs> this well, this this guy uh, playing Marco Polo is. <laughs> yes. I mean, Mark he is the most. He is just the most British Italian person. <laughs> the the, clo- the close up photos of him where he's just like squinting yeah. into the light and just like, he's yeah. like Kirk Douglas. He looks like he looks like Will from Will and Grace. Like yeah. he's just. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah, I felt a lot of it's different like things about Italian Marco Polo Italian. in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do. I really like. Just the um, like it wasn't enough that this was a that this was a historical episode. He also write in all of these uh, all of these moments where Ian gets to flex his science skills. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> like they... we have in this episode, they're like, they're like, we're sorry that the tea tastes so bad. And he's like, oh, well, that's because of the altitude and the boiling point. And they're just like, what? Uh, yeah, we, I, I don't want to get too into other parts, but the conden- the condensation scene was pretty amazing. Right, right, right. That's in part three. But uh, yeah, it's it's. I I just I really I do like that. I don't love the doctor getting altitude sickness. Yeah, he's so fragile in this story. Hmm. Hmm. He's fragile through his whole run. Okay. Really. Yeah. Um. He's, just... he's he's got a he has a very slight constitution. He's kind of like the Mister um, Burns version of old person, where you just have to like carry him like a yeah. baby. Yes, it's very true. Uh, so so yeah, so basically, you know, they get picked up by the the Mongolians, and uh, and then Marco Polo shows up, and he's like, "Ah, what are you wacky Mongolians doing?" Mm-hmm. And they're just like, "Well, we were just going to kill these guys," and they're like, "Hey, don't do that. Let's steal their stuff." And, Look at that caravan. Know, yeah, bring them <laughs> along with us. The weirdest looking uh, caravan I ever did see. Yeah, so they so they bring him along with them, uh, and we meet this girl, this this Mongolian girl named Pingcho, um, who is uh, arranged to be married to a seventy five year old man, which Susan and Barbara are just completely offended yes. by, uh, rightfully so, <laughs> but. Even so, like absolutely no patience for the the time of like the the time of history that well, they're in. Well, remember, like, no, 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 no. Guys, we're we not doing. To, we're not here. We're tourists, guys. We're observers. We're not here to. Yeah. No, you are not marrying a seventy-five year old. <laughs> that is crazy and gross. Um, uh, and then, and I just, and I also just love that Pink Cho is just like, I guess it is crazy and gross, like. She didn't really have any real thoughts about it beforehand. She's just like, well, this is the way it is. And they're like, no, that's crazy and gross. Oh, I guess it's Pink Cho Pink Cho and Susan's friendship is 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 rockets and above my favorite thing about this story. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. it's it's insane. honestly I wish she had become a new companion to be told. Yeah, honest. yeah, and they're uh, we'll, we'll 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 get to it at the end. But yeah, I was yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm a, I'm a fan, also a fan of Barbara in this episode. I think this is the most I've ever liked Barbara. Yeah. Barbara's real good. Uh, and, and then when, when Marco basically, you know, tells them that he's going to, he's going to keep the TARDIS for the, yeah. uh, because he's, yeah. Cause he's going to give it to, as a gift to, to Kublai Khan, uh, so that he can go home to Venice because he's not allowed to go home because Kublai Khan won't let him go home. Mm-hmm. But if he has a cool gift, like they're, dumb blue box uh 
you know, then I guess Kublai Khan like will let him go free. And I, I just love they're trying to argue with him about it. And he finally just like leaves. He's like, no, I'm stealing your dumb box. I don't care. You can build another one, uh, which I don't. What's so amazing about it? It's just a dumb wooden blue box. Yeah, like, like what, what do you think is cool about it? Yeah, he keeps calling it a flying machine, but like I don't understand why yeah. he thinks. Well, that. they they is it just because they're on the mountain. They refer to it as as a caravan. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, no, it is, and I guess that is what is so frustrating, and why I, I was so frustrated with the Marco character in the story was he was just kind of a. I don't know. I forgot if I can say this word on the show, but yeah, he was just kind of a of a of a of a dork. Of a, of a, of a, uh, he's a dick. He's a dick. It's okay, fine. we can say it. Yeah, he was kind of a dick, and he was just yeah. like, "No, you can't leave because I got to give it to the Kublacon. And it was just like you don't even know what you have. It was. I was just so like, shut. I wanted him to die, and I knew he did wasn't gonna die in the story. <laughs> And 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 he did rede- because history tells you so. yes, and and he redeems himself at the end. But I do remember being like, "Ah, you're just." I I remember thinking like you're making the plot slower. Uh, yeah, but yeah. So he there's a lot of things doing that. Yeah, this story. Um. Yeah, and then we uh we 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 have met already. Um, what's his Tagana? Uh, Tagana and Tagana. One letter away from is... Tegan. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, Tagana and just is terrible. Uh, and Tagana, Tagana is, uh, gonna, he's gonna poison the water hole. He is um, my, he is my favorite. I, I realized watching this episode, I think my favorite kind of bad guy is the sneaky dude that's pretending to be friends, but then booby trapping right. everything. <laughs> yeah. You're trying to kill us. What? No, I'm not. Yeah. Tagana is. T- Tagana yeah. rolls like a D twenty no. in stealth this whole yeah. episode. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's not subtle. No. No. Oh, Tagana. <laughs> we'll talk about him. He's 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 all over no. this thing. <laughs> so that uh that brings us to episode two. Marco Polo Part two. Written by John Lucarotti, directed by Waris Hussein. Produced by Verity Lambert. Script edited by David Whitaker. Air date February 29th, 1964. The travelers make their way across the Gobi Desert. Upset, the doctor repeatedly refuses to leave his tent or eat when they have made camp for the night, which distresses Susan. Frustrated at being trapped on Earth without the use of the TARDIS, Susan vents her troubles to Ping Cho, and the two of them decide to follow Tagana as he sneaks away from the camp. He intends to poison the water gourds, but a sandstorm begins, during which Susan and Ping Cho are briefly lost. Instead of the poison, he slashes the water supply open with his knife instead, and in the morning blames bandits. Marco Polo insists that the caravan press on, but as they continue, the water rations begin to run out. Unable to travel much during the day because of exhaustion and dehydration, Marco Polo sends Tagana out to a nearby oasis to bring water back to them. He finds the oasis, but does not return as he promised, expecting the caravan to die of dehydration in the desert. Uh, the Singing Sands. Really cool episode titles in the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I can, I can, picture, um, them, also, I can picture them being like chapter titles of, of an adventure book. Totally, totally. Um... Episode two also introduces us to the Indiana Jones map that we yes. throughout the story. <laughs> yes, it's great because this story this story takes place over months, right. three months, three months, and and really yeah. bringing it back to it, it really does feel. Man, maybe this added to the the way I was absorbing the story, which is like largely like almost like an audiobook. This really this story did feel like uh, like a an adventure story, like an Alan Quartermain book or. Like it had an epic, mm-hmm. it had a sense, and, and sometimes it did feel slow, but sometimes I enjoyed it because like the, these, they really are usually so rushed on these adventures that the idea of them being trapped and having to, the idea of Susan having to be on a horse for like weeks, it just, it, yeah. it, it felt like, yeah, like you were reading this epic story. Yeah. Um. So yeah. This episode in particular, I just, I, I just wanted, I wish it was called the Oregon Trail because that's. <laughs> Uh oh, the doctor got the doctor got dehydrated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Susan. 
Yeah. And and then you're uh you know Marco Polo he just uh he that, he has that great line where he's talking about having to endure the doctor's insults. <laughs> I know that made me laugh. Oh my god. Like while while we're looking at the Indiana Jones map like while they're traveling. So it's like they're traveling over a long distance he's talking about enduring the doctor's you insults. And I yeah, and I just imagine him like sitting next to him in like one of the covered wagons. He's just like, "You idiot! You stupid idiot! Yeah. You don't even know what's in that box, you dumb moron!" <laughs> just and the, and and to be honest, Scott's for Scott's, like days. Scott's language is far kinder than uh, the first Doctor's actual words. I know to, to yeah. Marco Polo, especially right. towards the end when he just outright is just like, "You savage! You stupid savage!" I'm like, "Jeez, dude!" Yeah. <laughs> All kinds of Italian slurs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then, and all the while, one one good thing during this arduous journey is, uh, you know, the budding, the blossoming friendship of, of Susan and Pink Cho. Uh, mm-hmm. Susan, is is this Susan's first friend? Yes. I, I think so. Yeah. yeah, her first friend, even remotely close to her age. Right. Which let me ask you something about, about, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I didn't know there was more. Oh, no, no, no. Which, which uh, by, I can't remember which part. Um, I believe it was one or two. Uh, we got verbal confirmation that Susan is sixteen. Oh, okay. Or she's pretending to be. She, 16. she. Here's my. I, she probably is sixteen, but I do think emotionally, mentally, she still sees herself as like eleven or twelve. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, you you were gonna make a point. You were gonna say something. Uh, no, no. I was I was just gonna ask. Um, I I you know this had come up on the um on the on the board uh mm-hmm. at some point the uh the Facebook group um the Doctor's Companion listener group uh, for those of you who are on Facebook but not in the group you should join it so this had come up over there and I just want to know like on the show what you guys think of this this theory that I had never really seen before <laughs> Um, but I was watching it, watching this now, having read that theory and being like, hmm, uh, what do you guys think about the the theory that Susan isn't really the doctor's granddaughter and is just like a student or something that he that just came along with him? And she calls him grandfather because anything else would be like confusing. I... Like she's like a legitimate, like the legitimate first companion because she's not really related to him. I believe I the the idea of her not being the doctor's maternal granddaughter does ring true to me. Like if that were to be revealed in canon, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. But I do believe that um, the doctor's relationship with Susan is that of a grandfather. Like I I do think mm. that is just what Susan, you know, kind of like. I remember growing up, I had uncles, yeah, and. And then when I was like fourteen, I'd be like, "Hey, how is Uncle Joe related to us?" And they'd be like, "Oh no, he's not actually. You're, you met your dad when they were like 12. I'm like, "What the heck?" <laughs> so I, I can imagine it being like this has been the Susan's ward for like her entire life, basically. Mm. Yeah. And just grandfather feels more comes more natural to her than calling him doctor. Yeah. Right. What do you think, Cass? I don't know if I like it because like yeah, 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 yeah. It doesn't, like, because their relationship is what their relationship is, but, like, mm-hmm. it feels like, like, why would she have come with him? Did he just steal her? Or, like... Yeah, like, I really do get a sense that it was, if if not, like, yeah, like, the doctor, I mean, Susan definitely sees the doctor as... Her... Well, why, I mean, why does any, why does anyone go with the doctor? Wouldn't she travel with him for the same reason anyone else does? Well, I it mean, does, it sh- does seem to be more of like a I'm looking after him more than like I want to see adventure. Like I want, hmm. like is she is she from Gallifrey then? If well, okay. yeah. So if she's from Gallifrey and she knows other Time Lords, I mean, other Time Lords go everywhere too. So why would she? Yeah, go with yeah. The but is she? But is she a Time Lord? Because I don't think that that's been. I thought that we like. Uh, I thought there was like a, dis- a distinction between like Gallifreyans and Time Lords. Like Time Lords is like a right. That's what okay. I'm saying. Yeah, I'm saying I'm saying she's Gallifreyan, but is she a Time? Oh Lord? no, I don't think she's a Time Lord. Okay, yeah, 
Um, so she could be anybody. And there is, and, and not to go too far into the, but in the, there is a, and cause I don't think we're going to talk about it when we get to that episode, but in the last story, there's a really cool scene where Pink Cho and uh, Susan are talking about the concept of home. Yeah. And Susan is like, well, you my the, the, the Kublai Khan's not going to be able to take me home, Ping Cho. Like, my, my home is very, very far away. And and I was like, oh, she's talking about Gallifrey. That that was, like, where my mm-hmm. mind went. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think, based on, I don't know. I, I, I really don't like the idea of the doctor leaving his family behind on Gallifrey. Like, his kids and stuff. Like, that seems weird yeah. to me. And... I, I think I prefer the idea that he's just been a lifelong bachelor and went on the well, run like Bilbo and, and maybe, <laughs> yeah. And maybe, and maybe he was, uh, and maybe, yeah, he was like the gal He's like the Gallifrey and Bilbo and, he's and, odd. and maybe we don't he, like him. And maybe we sell his like things taught. if he's gone for too long. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's literally how all the time Lords treat the doctor. Yeah. Too. yeah. Uh, and and maybe uh, you know maybe he was like a teacher or something on Gallifrey before he left, like like during his mm-hmm. you know long life as as William Hartnell, and she was a student of his or something, and like the original sort of, Bill Potts. Yeah, she just yeah right, like she just be, sort of became like the OG de facto companion like the first time that ever happened i I will say though the the idea of calling someone grandfather without at least 10 knowing them for like 10 15 years yeah yeah you know i always kind of like intuited i guess um that she was his grandfather and that she is the only family that he has or not she was his grandfather, but you yeah, know yeah. what I mean. We, we, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Time. Um, but, you know, they're related and he's the only family that she has left because, like, something happened to no. his kids. So he, like, took his yeah, grandchild. Yeah, they're the only family that the other one has. Yeah. And and the relationship isn't – it's awkward a little bit, but it, you can also tell that, you know, Susan really does rely on the doctor's guardianship at this point and the doctor really does need Susan to be around. <sighs> yeah. I don't know. I'm not I'm not saying I'm not saying you're wrong, but I I just don't I just don't like that. I don't like that he has a family. I don't need, I don't like that he has a family that's dead. I don't like that either. I don't Oh, I don't, see I've I just, I've always I, seen this that he's not he does not really have a a, a chill home life cuz why would he bomb around so much? Yeah. He doesn't have anyone waiting for him. That that Yeah, that's I that's why I said I think he's a bachelor. Yeah, I don't think they're dead. I just don't think yeah. he has family. I don't know. I kind of like. I don't know. I'm kind of with Cass. I like the idea of him being like. I just. I can't think about that. I just. Whatever. Mm. But Susan is like. But Susan, Susan. Like I can't. And and like yeah, the the know. reason because I I also the oh, reason ahead. that Sorry, I'm kind Cass, of like ahead. in that camp is because um when Matt Smith is the doctor he has that cradle, like where would he have gotten that cradle if it wasn't like, I don't know. I mean, it, yeah, it's implied that family. it's maybe his, but like, it's, I've always read that as like, that was, it was maybe Susan's Susan. or mm-hmm. <laughs> like something like his, his children, you know? Yeah. I kind of, I, I think it is somewhere in the middle where like, I, I do believe in my heart that Susan has known the doctor since she was like a baby, mm-hmm. but I just don't know whether or not that means that he, she is literally her granddaughter or just like. My this is my guardian, but I call him grandfather because we'll look at him. He's <laughs> mm. Yeah, see I, I I don't think I think the the term, the phrase, the title grandfather means absolutely nothing to her. And that's why she's totally comfortable calling someone that, uh, that Yeah, I don't agree with that. That that she isn't no, I don't I don't think it means anything to them. Yeah. Why would it? Mm-hmm. Why would the term grandfather mean anything to aliens from another planet? Well, they must have like similar concepts, like spawn of my spawn, like, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Cause like, I guess, I guess I just, we don't, the only thing we know about time Lords is that they're like really cold and distant. Yeah. And, and so I don't know that family really means anything to them. Um, the way that it does to earth people. And I think that left. Maybe I don't know. I don't. I I just I think I'm just very very much against yeah. 
the doctor having because i guess like because in I, this in this story he gets really riled up when um susan's being held hostage and he refers to her as her like his grandchild mm-hmm. but yeah i definitely do think that's know. there that they do have a familial relationship whether it's blood or just through <clears throat> nurture i don't know but yeah <clears throat> that, that, that 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 feels like the truth to me is that she does see like that's grandpa that that's grandfather that's my mm. that's my guardian yeah i don't know <laughs> yeah i like the other theory but <laughs> that's fine i i just it's, yeah, it's great I, that I you can i don't like it yeah <laughs> um all right well uh what else happens in in uh in part two? Oh, uh uh jafar um, <laughs> tagana <laughs> yeah tagana um <laughs> i mean it's totally what he is um so uh to there's even an aladdin reference in uh part three um uh so tagana uh is uh you know he he can't he i guess in the last one like he basically he like he couldn't poison the water and so he decides he's just going to like cut up the gourds that hold the water so yeah. that they'll um, leak out all the water. One of my favorite uh, cliffhangers or cl- cliffhanger lines. Yeah. Right. Um, so he, well, he, he first he, he does that. He drains that. And then they're like, okay, well, um, why don't you go to, uh, you know, go to the other, <laughs> go to the. Go to the oasis uh, where there's water and go get water and bring it back for us. And they're like, oh, yeah. He's like, okay. And then he leaves and then finds it and drinks from the water. And then he's like, here's your water, Marco Polo. (laughs) Just just pours it on the ground. Um, Tagan is just just the most extra kind of dick. Um, He's – It's it's wonderful. He's pretty special. Uh he's a, he's a special little boy. Um but uh yeah, that's that's that. Um also everybody thinks that uh the doctor's a wizard and he gets his powers from his magic box and so they won't let him go in there. They're not wrong. <laughs> I mean I guess fair point. Fair point. So, episode three, 500 Eyes. Marco Polo, part three. Written by John Lucarotti. Directed by Waris Hussein. Produced by Verity Lambert. Script edited by David Whitaker. Air date, March 7th, 1964. The travelers only manage to survive because of the condensation that the doctor and Susan are able to collect in the morning from the TARDIS walls. They are able to make it to the next city where a surprised and displeased Tagana finds them. During a performance of sorts by Ping Cho, Tagana sneaks off again and meets up with bandits in the Cave of 500 Eyes, a famed assassin's hideout. Tagana tells the bandits to attack the caravan on the road outside of the city and to kill Marco Polo. They are overheard by Barbara, who followed Tagana into the cave. She is found and held prisoner. After the rest of the TARDIS crew realize Barbara is missing, The doctor remembers that she had expressed interest in the cave and asks for directions. He, Susan, and Ping Cho head over to go look for Barbara. Inside, they find Barbara's handkerchief and begin to look in earnest, calling for her. A bandit holds a knife to Barbara's throat, and Susan screams, having seen a set of supposedly painted eyes on the wall of the cave that seem to move. Which is actually titled... The cave of five hundred eyes, uh, at the end of part two, but then by the end of by the beginning of part <laughs> three, it, it has been shortened to just five hundred eyes, um, which is a very different. The cave of five hundred eyes is like the cave of mm-hmm. wonders again. Another Aladdin reference. Um, they keep coming up. Uh, at, but whereas five hundred eyes, just I just picture like a pile of eyeballs. <laughs> oh, like, no. Yeah. Um. I don't know, but uh, yeah, here's your here's your condensation water scene, Nick. Oh hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mark Marco Polo just does not believe witchcraft. In, or do you, yeah, witchcraft. Yeah. You got water. That's the thing is like he just doesn't. He's so mad that they're not doing exactly a hundred percent what he tells them to. 
and that stuff is happening outside of his control. And it's like, dude, you're Marco Polo. <laughs> you, you, you found land by yeah. by, by floating. <laughs> Congrats, Good work. Congrats, man. It was there. You just found it and were a dick in it. <laughs> <laughs> I know what this needs: a dick. <laughs> And I'm just the dick. Oh my gosh. I wanted to show these people what's what. <laughs> uh, so at a certain point in this, um, they they sort of like land in like a like a little uh, bazaar area where yeah. they can like shop for stuff and bazaar with uh two Z's. Right. Um and it's not, it's not very bizarre with an eye. No, no. Uh, bazaar, uh, <laughs> and uh, and uh, Ping, Ping Cho has decided that she's going to put on a little performance for everyone, um, and everyone's very excited. And then we are treated to a ten-minute scene of Ping Cho telling us the tale of Aladdin. <laughs> I, you know, um, watching this this story, but this part especially, I found myself thinking about like the British children that were, that were, that would watch this weekly in the sixties. And this had to have been a bummer. This had to have been like, wow, that was 10 minutes of my, (laughs) yeah. Of my 20 minutes of doctor who this week, 10 minutes was like Ping Cho story time. (laughs) And like that had to have hurt. And then going from directly from that to the news, you know? Yeah. And it's, and it's really strange. Like, the idea of someone recapping Aladdin today is so bizarre because yeah, yeah, we yeah. have the Disney movie, but this mm-hmm. is like 30 years before the D- oh, Disney movie happened, absolutely. you know? Yeah. And so it's it just makes it even weirder because it's like, oh, man, she's talking about Aladdin, but like this isn't the Disney movie. No. Like, yeah, like Aladdin was like an old man in Ping Cho's version. Yeah. Um. It's great. And again, nothing against Ping Cho. You know, we, this is a very Ping, pro Ping Cho household, but <laughs> yeah, not not what we, not what I, not what I was after. Um, no. And again, these are photographs, right? Right. We're but it so- doesn't look it doesn't look very lively, even if yes. it wasn't photographs. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and then uh, uh, you know, Tagana goes to the cave and. Susan follows him to the cave and then uh, Barbara is there too. And Barbara gets a mo- like a Mongol fight finds her and takes her into a secret room. And then Susan sees like, was looking at the cave walls and there's like, I like the eyes and the, the eyes. Well, there's a really funny part where she is like, she screams. Yeah. Just yeah. A real a classic. The eyes, a they classic, move. And, and then it cuts to a photograph of a painting. <laughs> right. And the doctor's like, what? Like, what are you freaking out Isn't about? Isn't that the cliffhanger? Like, like, she's like, the yeah. eyes. And then it's just like yeah. the music hitting. So right. funny. Yeah. The eyes, they move. <laughs> it's very extra. Um, might be might be the most extra thing that Susan has done mm. in the show so far. I don't know. That's difficult. Yeah, so I mean, it so is. It, it is. But screaming the eyes they move. <laughs> it's, 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 it's really, there. it's vintage Carol Ann. It's vintage Carol Ann Ford. <laughs> yeah, true. Very true. All right. Well, yeah. that's, uh, that's, that's the first part of, uh, Marco Polo. Mm-hmm. Um, we will be back next week. To talk about Marco Polo episodes four through seven. And guys, uh, it gets weird. <laughs> it does. Um, it does. Uh, so, yeah. So we'll be back next week. Uh, welcome back, guys. Glad uh, glad we're we're back with a new yeah. season. All the way around. It's going to be a big year. Yeah, it is going to be a big year. Um, hope the I think the plan. I mean, we'll see how it goes. But I, I, I think the plan is to do two seasons of this before the new season of the show come like happens, mm-hmm. hopefully. Um, so we'll see how it goes, but uh, yeah. So thanks to everyone who, uh, who, who's listening to us and has been listening to us. 
Um, just a you know, just a just a quick reminder. We've got the Facebook group. Uh, so yeah. if you're on Facebook, where do you think? Uh, uh, where do you think Susan yeah. came from? Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll put a poll up. Um, <laughs> Susan, and, uh, granddaughter, Susan. <laughs> granddaughter, weird or, student, or stranger. <laughs> um, <laughs> you decide. Uh, and uh, yeah, and you know. Check out everything else the dueling genre. Um, if you're not a Patreon supporter, uh, that that's a huge help. Go to duelinggenre.com slash support. We're trying to, you know, we were really close to hitting our goal for that Patreon exclusive uh, Doctor Doctor Who and the Daleks uh, podcast. And then uh, we just started like bleeding patrons. Oh, so, that's too bad. Um, yeah, we were really close. We were only like I think like thirty dollars away or twenty dollars away, something like that. And then, um, and then Patreon was like, yeah. "We're gonna start charging yeah. you." And then, uh, and then every we just we just bled like we just bled like a hundred dollars of patrons. Um, so thanks, anyway, Patreon. we need to build that <laughs> right? back up again. Yeah, thanks <laughs> Patreon. Yeah, and then they didn't do it, and then they didn't even. They were like, "Oh, sorry, we messed up." It's like, well, it's too late now. Everybody jump mm-hmm. ship. Um. So anyway. Uh, yeah, so so go check out our Patreon page, duelinggenre.com slash support. Um, we're looking for, you know, $5 a month is all we're looking for. And uh, you gain access to everything we do on our Patreon page. And if we hit $500 a month, which isn't a lot, you know, we're we're at just we're at like three ninety three last time I checked, three ninety eight, something like that. Um, so we're only like $100 away. So, I mean, you know, it's not that's not a lot. Not a lot. You get so um, much content. Yeah, you get so much. If, if twenty of you would go and and you know uh, throw five dollars a month down, we would be able to do the uh, Doctor Who and the Daleks uh, podcast. Yeah. So, um, and if you've never heard us talk about it before, uh, none of us have seen the Peter Cushing Doctor Who movies that they made in the sixties. Um, we have not seen these movies. They are Peter Cushing plays a character who is named Doctor Who. <laughs> Uh, and fights the Daleks, and uh, it's supposed to be ridiculous and insane and, and crazy '60s madness. Hopefully, and, and physically have, fights them. Yeah. I, oh God, I hope so. Um, none of us have seen it, and so we're going to make a podcast where we talk about it five minutes at a time, having never seen the movie <laughs> before. Um, so we're not going to watch it beforehand. We're just going to watch it five minutes at a time and talk about those five minutes and. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, so if that sounds like something you'd be interested in hearing us do, uh, go go check that out. And if you have suggestions for other stuff that you'd like to hear us talk about or something as like a Patreon exclusive thing, let us know about that. Uh, and maybe we'll put up other goals and things in the future. Um, let us know. Uh, and we will be back next week. <laughs>